Someone tried to kill Brett Kavanaugh. That's not good. We'll talk about that tonight. We'll talk about what do the communists think about you? Why does this keep happening? We have Matt Walsh on the show. We have Brian Dean Wright on the show. We have a banger for you on I'm Right. There's a dangerous thing going on in the country right now. Well, dangerous for you and dangerous for me. Not so much dangerous for the left. You're seeing this all over the place. You ever get the feeling like you're surrounded? Like you wake up and all around you are all these things that oppose you, sometimes overtly, sometimes subtly, but they all, they're all around you and they oppose you. Well, here's what we have happening in the country, and it is very, very dangerous. It's already cost a lot of people their lives. It will undoubtedly cost more people their lives in the future. You, me, we have been sandwiched from the top and the bottom. And no, I'm not going to make any Kamala jokes. Don't, no, this is what I mean. The Democrats on the top, elected political leaders, you know, attorney generals, public health officials, FBI people, people on top, leadership, society's leadership, corporations, honestly, this applies to the media, corporations that are, are cultural leaders. They're all communists now. They're all on the left. And they're always, always, always using this drastic doomsday language to describe you and the threat you are. You're a white supremacist. You're a Nazi. You want to end democracy. You want children to be killed in school shootings. The dangerous, dangerous, this person's dangerous, most dangerous thing happening right now, there's white nationalism over and over and over again, there's this consistent theme coming down from the media on top, raining down on society. That alone would be bad enough, except there's another part to this. They also have the bottom. Violent, nasty, mentally handicapped street communists from Black Lives Matter to Antifa to the various violent green groups who you never hear anything about, to the violent pro-abortion groups. You haven't heard about all the firebombings of the pro-life pregnancy centers, have you? They, the groups at the bottom, have nothing to lose. They're all violent nutballs. Most often they're society's outcasts. And they view themselves as being the foot soldiers, the enforcement arm of communists. The communists on top, Spread the message far and wide that you and me were a threat to democracy. The nutballs on the bottom, they hear those threats. They act on those threats. I mean, you remember after Kyle Rittenhouse got acquitted, again, white guy kills two white guys. The people on top, elected Democrats, media people, what they do? took to the airwaves and said, this is white supremacy. Look at this white supremacist, white supremacy and racism in this country. A few days later, Daryl Brooks gets in his SUV and mows down 70 white people in a Christmas parade. The top says, the bottom acts. The top says, the bottom acts. And we're in the middle. We're the target. Chuck Schumer gets up in 2020 and says this. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. 
You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. You won't know what hit you. Well, of course, Chuck Schumer is not going to do anything, right? Gets up there, gets the crowd pumped up, gives a little speech. Hey, these guys are going to end democracy. You don't know what's going to hit you. Anyway, back to my office. Except somebody, an armed communist, just went to Brett Kavanaugh's house last night with a knife and a gun and pepper spray and flat out announced his intent when he was caught to kill Brett Kavanaugh. Chuck Schumer speaks. The street communists at the bottom act. Over and over and over and over again. I could do a three-hour show tonight on all the politically motivated violence that has taken place against the right in just the past four or five years, over and over and over again. Why does this keep happening? Well, the top and the bottom, they want it to happen. Remember, Jen Psaki, when she was press secretary, she was asked about the addresses of these justices being leaked, and now there's protests in front of their homes, and here's what she said. So I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about uh, protests that have been peaceful to date, and we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes, and that's the president's position. We encourage that outside of judges' homes, except here's the thing, that's against the law. Now, we don't have a legal system in this country that goes after Democrats ever, so they're allowed to say that. I mean, the FBI is busy twiddling its thumbs. They're staking out you at the school board, so they're not going to worry about Democrats standing up behind the podium and encouraging people to break the law. It is against the law to try to intimidate judges. So why'd she do it? Why does this stuff keep on happening? Well, let's not dance around it. I know you've seen all kinds of things today. You've seen so many people on TV, on the radio. How many times have you heard this today? If this, if this happened to, 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 to a Republican, if it was a Republican outside of a, 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 a Sotomayor's house, they'd be talking about this endlessly. You've heard this over and over and over all day about the hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, the media is hypocrites. The Democrats are hypocrites. You've heard it endlessly, endlessly, right? I know you have. Probably I can see you sitting there nodding your head. Oh, yeah. That misses the mark. It totally misses the mark when we say things like this. We've been trained wrongly on the right to believe that that's conservatism. Pointing out the hypocrisy of the communists, we think that's what conservative activism is. That does nothing. Let's start talking about real hard truths. The media, they don't do what they do, ignore what they ignore, and cover what they cover because they're hypocrites. Democrats don't encourage this and discourage that because they're hypocrites. The street communists, they don't ignore this, yet go hurt this person because they're hypocrites. They do this because they believe you should die for what you believe. They have no problem with your death. None. Some of them actively want it. Some are just passively okay with it. But because you, in their mind, you are a heretic to their religion, they are trying to reshape the world in the, in the name of their God, their evil, demonic, communist God. And anyone who stands in the way of that is a heretic. They either actively want you to die, or in the very least, they're okay with it. The media doesn't do what they do. Democrats don't do what they do. The street communists don't do what they do because they're hypocrites. They do it because they want you to die. I know that's hard to accept, right? But 
That's why. You can watch this clip from MSNBC and say, oh, that's so hypocritical. They'd be covering it different. If the You can watch this clip and say they're hypocrites, or you can watch this clip and wake up, grow up, and realize these people want you murdered. What is, I mean, is it as obvious as it seems that domestic violent extremists are an important part of the voting coalition on the right? What? Domestic, what? What's she talking about? This, like I said, this has been going on for years. Years. And not random motivations. We're not sure what they might believe. He kind of seemed like a psycho. I mean, you, you do remember that a Bernie Sanders supporter admitted he did this for political reasons, showed up at a GOP baseball game and tried to murder a bunch of GOP congressmen. He shot five people that day, almost took Steve Scalise's life, and he didn't do it for some rando reason. We're not sure why he did it. He did it because over and over and over and over and over again, Bernie Sanders in his mind told him to do it. That's it. So he grabbed a weapon and tried to do it. That's why these people do what they do. Everyone's out there celebrating today about this Chesa Budin. What a weird name, by the way. This Chesa Budin getting recalled. He's the San Francisco DA who was turning all the crooks loose who were murdering everybody and Rob and everything. And people were out there celebrating. Woohoo! We finally got rid of him. Uh, allow me to caution you on that. Yeah, it's nice he's gone. One, that a the son of two weather underground terrorists was elected in the first place is a problem. Two, you do understand that this is something that's happening across the United States of America where prosecutors are intentionally turning violent criminals loose. Instead of prosecuting them, they're intentionally turning them loose. Why? Why did Chesa Budin intentionally turn violent criminals loose? Was it because of justice or fairness or equality? No. He wanted people to be murdered. Because in the chaos, in the insanity, in the violence, the communist is able to gain more power. He's always been this way. And of course, he's always looking for the real enemy, right? In Chessa's case, what a weird name, it's the right-wing billionaires. People are angry. They're frustrated. And I want to be very clear about what happened tonight. The right-wing billionaires outspent us three to one. Well, here's the truth. George Soros spent $40 million in 75 different cities across America so prosecutors who are just like that guy can be elected. Now, why would someone do that? Why would anybody spend $40 million to make sure prosecutors who are elected will let violent people out on the streets? Well, again, don't overcomplicate this. Don't do that good-natured thing you do. Ah, they're just misguided. Why, he's just not sure. George Soros and people like him want a lot of Americans to die. They want massive civil unrest. They believe our country is evil and should be broken and brought to its knees. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to turn violent criminals loose so they'll go commit more acts of violence. It's not more complicated than that. Which brings me to what really angers me. And this is, is genuinely, it really angers me. It's actually not the communists I despise the most in communism, although you know I hate them. It's eunuch Republicans. You see, ever since that shooting in Uvalde, of course, we have Matthew McConaughey now in the Senate and the White House and all these other things, and all the talk, the system has decided the new narrative 
is guns. Guns are the problem. What are we going to do about guns? We should do a little about guns, right? We should do a lot about guns, but it's definitely guns. It's the guns, of course. It's got to be gun, 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 gun. And so you can't do anything about that. I can't do anything about that. But we do have elected people in office who are supposedly supposed to be back there fighting for us and defending our rights. This went totally under the radar yesterday. I know I'm one of the only people in the country steamed about it, but I simply cannot get over this clip from Senator John Thune when he, of course, is asked by some communist reporter about guns, and he immediately begins to quibble and make excuses for you and me. In my state, they use them to shoot prairie dogs and, you know, other types of varmints, and so... I think that there are legitimate reasons why people would want to have them, and I think the challenge you have already is that there are literally millions of them available in this country. I'm sorry, Senator, what did you just say? Did you just offer excuses to the communists for why I have an AR-15? I just, I, w I want to be clear about something, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to remain calm. I am, I am. Uh, I've killed a lot of prairie dogs. I grew up in Montana. We used to go kill them all the time. The ranchers want you to kill them because they bust up the animal's legs and whatnot. But that, that's okay. I've killed a lot of prairie dogs. And I own an AR-15. And may I, my AR-15, it isn't for prairie dogs. My AR-15 is for killing people. It's for killing anybody who tries to hurt me or my family. Anybody. That's why I have an AR-15. And I have 30-round mags, so I can kill lots of them if I have to. That's the purpose of my AR-15. And you know my explanation to the communists when they try to get me to justify it? I don't say, well, they need them for prairie dogs, and there's just too many. My explanation is, go screw yourself, communists. I have an AR-15 because I believe you are an evil, murderous little piece of trash who would hurt me without a second thought for what I believe. So I have an AR-15 just in case you try to do so, and then I can hurt you back. That's how I want my political leaders to talk. I'm so sick of this eunuch GOP. Well, uh, they needed it for prairie dogs. We, well, I mean, we do need it for the prairie dogs, guys. These are the people we send to Washington to defend our rights? You've got to be daggone kidding me. <laughs> Sorry, I got mad. I said I wasn't going to get mad. I got mad. I'm fine. I'm fine. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Mike Slater is going to join us next. He's on top of this George Soros DA phenomenon that's happening across the country. We'll talk to Mike about it in just a second. Now, let's talk about something else when it comes to guns and preparation and whatnot. Do you have any kind of prep done for, I don't know, whatever disaster scenario, zombie apocalypse invaded by the Chinese? I mean, who knows? You probably have something, right? Got some ammo, food. Hopefully you have something for water and whatnot. And believe me, all those things are good. I encourage you, do all those things. Make some preparations. Do you know how most people die in survival situations and in combat, actually? Even in war. You know how most people die? It's actually not the bullets or the bombs. People get sick and they die. Over two-thirds, that's how people die. Medical situations. What's your antibiotic situation? How's your reserves for antibiotics? Do you even have one? Go get yourself a Jace case. Jace Medical is putting out this thing called a Jace case. Don't worry, it's all clinical, it's all done right. 
But what it is, is it's going to give you a supply of antibiotics. So if you need to, you have medication that can save you and your loved one's lives. Get a Jace case today. Go to jacemedical.com. Jacemedical.com. Use the promo code JESSE because it gets you a discount, all right? Jacemedical.com, promo code JESSE. We'll be back. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Now let me tell you why we've already won, folks. Let me tell you why we've already won. We have already won because we are part of a national movement that recognizes we can never incarcerate our way out of poverty. Okay. Joining me now, my friend Mike Slater, of course, the first very own Mike Slater. He has a great special coming out this Friday on America's declining birth rate. Mike, Chesa Boudin. People don't know who this guy is. I don't know who this guy is. Where'd he come from? Oh, this guy, oh, this he's one of the worst. So he's one of the, the wokest DAs in the country. Quick, quick DA, hired by the people to prosecute criminals on behalf of the law-abiding citizens. We elected these people, these woke DAs, because of George Soros. We'll get to him in a minute. And they don't prosecute crime. That's why we see crime spiking and all the rest. Cheza Boudin, one of the worst. When he was 14 months old, both of his parents were members of the Weather Underground. They're both domestic terrorists, and they were a part of a robbery of an armored truck, a Brinks armored money truck, right? There was a whole chase. They ended up stealing $1.6 million. There was a whole police chase. Two police officers ended up dying because of this melee. The woman, the mom, his mom was sentenced to 20 years in prison. She got out and she went on to be a professor at Columbia University, Ivy League School in New York City. His dad got 75 years plus 40 years. So he was gonna spend the rest of his life in prison. But Chuck Schumer, the very last thing he did in office was parole him uh, right before he left. So he's now out of prison. I think he, his mom just died like a couple months ago. Whatever. This is Cheza Boudin. He was raised by Bill Ayers, the head of the Weather Underground. His first job out of college was working for Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. This guy died in the wool, proud communist, who's the prosecutor in San Francisco. By trade, he's a defense attorney. So he works on behalf, in his mind, of the criminals, because this is the most important thing. To the progressive mindset, the criminals are the victims. So whenever a criminal commits a crime, they're actually the victims, not the people who are the real life victims. This is so hard for conservatives to understand. And just let me say one more thing about this idea, because it's so incredibly important. Two things to note here. From a progressive worldview, first, we're all criminals, Jesse. We're all capitalists, which is a criminal enterprise. We're all beneficiaries of imperialism, which is crime. We're all a little bit criminals, aren't we? Right? Second thing to note, the Marxist worldview, uh, everything's about power. So law was about uh, white, rich, white, and capitalist, imperialist men imposing their power on the poor, vulnerable masses. So the law is unjust. Therefore, we're not going to 
prosecute people under the law because it is an expression of power. So we've had in San Francisco, to finish up this story, uh, just he's halfway through his term of implementing this in San Francisco. And even in San Francisco, it was too much. And they recalled him. And last night, 61% of the people in San Francisco voted to kick him out of office. So that's the quick of the story of Chesapeake Dean. But there are these George Soros-funded DAs across the entire country. One-fifth of the population lives in an area with a George Soros-funded woke DA just as bad as Chesapeake Dean. There's 75 across the country that we still need to recall and get out of office. Okay, before we get to Soros, which we'll get to him in a second, I would never have thought in a million years San Francisco, of all places, would recall it. There has to be more to this story on the ground. Who got this thing rolling? What's going on, Mike? Yeah, so there were a bunch of these stories. I mean, we've all seen the videos of the smash and grabs and people going into Walgreens and just emptying the shelves. We've all seen that. And it's one thing to say, oh, these DAs aren't prosecuting the quote-unquote little crimes, right? The, the shoplifting and stuff like that. And they're not. And I think that's a huge deal. I don't think it's a little crime. It's a, it's a huge quality of life issue. They're also not prosecuting the big crimes. So one of the big ones that really got his recall started was uh, January 2021. There were two women walking down the street New Year's. They got hit by a car. The guy driving the car, it's a stolen car. He's been arrested five times that year. His most recent arrest was an armed carjacking. And, and every time he got out, they, he wasn't charged because crimes or, or laws are unjust, right? He's the real victim here. So then he ended up killing these two women, right? And there's tons of those stories, like the big ones. And the people of San Francisco had enough, in particular, the Asians in San Francisco, who until recently have not been that politically engaged, but just a couple months ago kicked out the entire, or almost the entire San Francisco school board because of some things, super woke, far left, anti-Asian things that they've done as well. So I think you see the Asian community stepping up a little more, um, but even the people of San Francisco have had enough. Now, I don't think they've learned their lesson. I think they'll probably elect another woke DA, maybe just a little less woke though. All right, Soros, you said one-fifth of the country lives under this? Yeah, one-fifth of, of all the people. Uh, I think it's 25 of, yeah, 25 of the top 50 largest cities have a George Soros-funded DA, uh, 75 in total. So here's the deal with this. DAs have a ton of discretion. George Soros used to spend a ton of money on these congressional races, but you spend a ton of money, you only win for two years, and how much can a congressman really do? So he noticed this weakness in the system with these DAs. No one ever spent any money on these DA races, ever. Here in San Diego, the most a DA ever spent was like $100,000. He came in, spent $1.5 So he just blew up all these races with all this money and got these people in. So these DAs have a ton of discretion. They only have so much time, money, and employees. So they decide which uh, laws to prosecute, which criminals to prosecute, which not to prosecute. It's a, it's a balance game, right? But you put these woke people in, and they're just like, I'm not going to prosecute anything. <laughs> We're not going to prosecute anyone. Uh, in LA, there's a recall. Uh, it's going to be in a November ballot to recall the one up here. This guy's as bad as they get. Uh, I'm trying to think of one of many stories. Let's do the one where a 20-year-old kid got lured by a gang, and he was murdered uh, by five gang members. Two different times they thought he was dead, and he wasn't. They threw his body down, the, down these cliffs, and he turned out to still be alive. They went down there, and they, they killed him. Like they thought that he was dead the whole time, right? But they had to kill him. So three different times they did this. Uh, he, they, the the five murderers, they're gonna get they're gonna get out of jail in probably 10, 15 years for doing this because uh, you know they're they're wayward youth, 
<laughs> and and uh, you know they're they're victims of circumstance and they're victims of society and poverty and they're the real victims of this whole thing. And there's tons of stories like that. I can do one more real quick. Uh, a 17 year old boy, two weeks before his 18th birthday, identified as a woman, was in a Denny's bathroom. A 10 year old girl walked in. He molested the 10 year old girl. Six years went by. He was caught in another crime. DA evidence charged him, connected him to this crime. Gascon, the LA DA, sentenced him as a child and was gonna give him just a couple weeks in juvie, the, 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 uh, the uh, molester bragged about it on a jailhouse phone call. The media got it and said, this guy's bragging about the fact that he's only gonna be treated with kid gloves as a juvie and he's gonna get out in no time. And then finally he was charged as an adult, but only because of the outcry afterwards. There's tons of these stories, tons of these stories, and all these DAs gotta go. Mike Slater, go watch his special on Friday. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, bro. You know, we've got a lot of talk still to have. We're about to have Matt Walsh on. And one of the things you're going to see with the Matt Walsh interview is how insane some of our doctors are. Male gametes. That's what makes me male. No, your, your sperm don't make you male. Then what does? It's a constellation. In reality, in truth, okay? Whose truth are we talking about? The same truth that says we're sitting in this room right now, you and I. No, you're not listening. If I, if I see a chicken laying eggs and I say that's a female chicken laying eggs, did I assign female or am I just observing a physical reality that's happening in the world? Does a chicken have gender identity? Does a chicken cry? Well, Does chi a chicken commit suicide? Let's frame it because you're talking. You're trying. A chicken to, has sex, like any like any biological organism. A chicken has organism. an assigned gender, but a chicken doesn't have a gender identity. So we assign female to chickens when they lay eggs. That's a, we that's, assume they're female if they lay eggs. Joining me now, my friend Matt Walsh of the Matt Walsh Show, and of course the. The man who made this movie. The movie is called What is a Woman? It's available on dailywire.com. I would highly recommend you go watch it. Matt, what struck me most, and we have a couple clips, but what struck me most about that one wasn't that that lady's an unhinged lunatic. Anyone with two eyes and two ears can hear that. It's that that human being is not some wingnut on the street corner, Matt, with pink hair waving a sign around. That is an accomplished human being in charge of other people. Exactly. And I, that's one thing I hope people realize when they watch the film. It's a disturbing reality, but it's one we have to face is that these people are everywhere. Uh, they're in every major institution. They run these institutions and uh, they're not. They're not just on on uh, TikTok or wherever you want to think they are. They are they're everywhere. And it's, it's pretty disturbing also in medicine, especially we'll get into this. I got this whole exchange with her about, you know, yeah, truth. Whose truth is it? Do we have a is there one truth? We all have our own truth. And uh, but she she's prescribing, you know, you're, you're giving medical treatments to people. You would you would hope that when your doctor is giving you a medical treatment, that you're both in the same reality together. Otherwise, how do I know if the treatment works just in your reality or only in mine? It's just it is uh, it's quite disturbing, I think. Matt, there was a time in this country when the states themselves were encouraged to build churches. That's the America we were founded on. We've gone from that to, as you pointed out, this being mainstream. And again, this is everywhere now. This is now, to, to do business in the major corporate business world, you almost have to subscribe or at least act like you do to this. How do we go from where we were to where we are? In what universe does that happen in a relatively short amount of time? Uh, I think that it, well, one thing to keep in mind is that, 
it's actually it, it's not as short a period of time as it may seem. You know, there are kind of these landmarks along the path as you follow the trajectory back into the into the past. Um, but a lot of this stuff has been bubbling under the surface and has been kind of seeding into the institutions over the course of many decades. We talk about in the film, we go into the history of uh, gender ideology a little bit, and that's a, that's a subject that needs its own treatment, its own film, but we can only spend a few minutes on it. But um, we talk about guys like Alfred Kinsey and John Money, and these are uh, not not the only important figures, but they are around, it's around the time when sort of gender ideology started to take its current form. And, uh, but it, it was in the, it was in academia, it was in uh, government at some levels, among activists, and then it kind of exploded onto the mainstream, I think, over the last few years. And so when we all talk about how this just came out of nowhere, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about is the kind of entrance into the mainstream, but it was still there under, under the surface, I think. One of the clips I enjoyed most was when you went to Africa. Here's a little snip for people. What if a man decides that his, his gender identity is, is woman? A woman has its own duty, and a man has its own duty, and a lady cannot duty the duty of a man, and a man cannot do a duty of a woman. Can a man become a woman? No. No? No. What about a transgender? Transgender? No. No? It look like to, if you want to become a lady but you're a man, you have something wrong in something your wrong. mind. Something wrong in your family, something wrong in you. Matt, by any measure, we are far more technologically advanced than every person you were surrounded by there, I'm sure. I probably have more technology here in the palm of my hand right now than they'll ever see in their lifetime. Access to endless amounts of wisdom and books and things like that. And yet, uh, an African tribe understands basics better than we do. Why? I think uh, one of the reasons is that it has to do with the technology, I think, in some ways, that they kind of they live they have to survive every day and so they're very much situated in the reality they don't have time to think about wonder well what is truth do we have a, what is reality what are all these things they don't have time to think about that they have to actually survive so they're just situated in their physical existence and um and that's what they're thinking about the one thing that struck me is i'm asking them these questions obviously a lot of these they haven't even you know it's, it's all it's all a foreign language in more ways than one to them but also it's like the, the questions are so obvious to them that they can't even quite figure out why you would ask them. Whereas over here in the West, I think a lot of it is um, we're just sort of, we're so comfortable and we're just kind of sitting around navel gazing and looking back within ourselves and thinking about what do I feel and how do I feel about how I feel and what is truth and what is this and what is that? Um, I think it's a kind of a luxury belief system in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. One of the... <laughs> This uh, look. This is. It was a tough competition, but this human being may be the most insane person in your entire movie, in my personal opinion. I didn't even know what a furry was until about three weeks ago. My buddies told me I thought they were messing with me, and some guy had to call his teenage daughter and put her on speakerphone to explain that this is a real thing. You sat down with somebody who thinks he's an animal. Here's a clip. I am a 27-year-old transgender woman. 
Um, I am a wolf therian and a member of the furry fandom. When and how did you discover this inner wolfness? Um, probably around age 10 or 11. I was watching an anime about wolves and see the wolf running across the screen and I'm somehow just intrinsically like, oh, that's me. Have you spent any time around biological wolves? Yes. That sounds dangerous also. What, what context um, are you? So I was a volunteer with a preserve and I've, I've also visited many wolf preserves. Are you able to communicate with the wolves? Am I gonna have a conversation with a wolf in the way that I'm communicating you and I? Obviously not. Am I going to read their body language, respond appropriately to their behaviors and their nonverbal cues? Yes. Would you, be, would you be able to give us an example of this wolf communication? Um, no. I'm not comfortable doing so. Okay, all right. Matt, uh, okay. Um, everything else aside, I think he actually picked a pretty cool animal. I think, you know, I could go for being a wolf. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you have to choose one, I, I, if, if this is if the reality, if it's actual reality, I'd, you know, maybe you go with a bird so you can fly or that sort of thing. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's a perfect example that we, we counter a lot in the film where um, you have to laugh because of the, the absurdity of it. And laughing at absurdity, that's actually the appropriate, correct response. So you should, but then, so it's funny, but then you go a little bit under the surface and you start to realize that there's actually some really sinister stuff going on here. And then it's, it's, it's not quite as funny anymore. And so we kind of wanted to bring that out in the film also is, you know, like, here's the funny stuff. Let's go beneath that though and um, find out what's, what's really going on. Speaking of beneath that, finally, I want people to see this. You call this guy the hero of the film. I, uh, he's a transgender. I want people to watch this. We have five children's hospitals in the United States promoting that. And what? That's a phalloplasty. That's a bottom surgery. We have five children's hospitals in the United States telling girls that they can be boys at $70,000 a pop in a surgery that has a 67% complication rate. That will kill me from infection that I can't sue on. We're butchering a generation of children because nobody's willing to talk about anything. I have three kids at the age that they're doing this to kids. This is wrong on so many levels. Matt, I'm a little bit shocked by those stances, but I admire the person for saying it. Yeah, this is, uh, it, it was a really interesting contrast because we talked to so, so many of the so-called experts and doctors, professors, so on, politicians, uh, and they were, the, they were the proponents, the advocates of gender ideology, very evasive, didn't want to talk about anything, couldn't answer any questions, you know, everything's off limits, can't talk about anything. And then we go, we talk to Scott Nugent, who's a, a female who, as she puts it in the film, transitioned to appear like a man, but will never actually be a man. And she um, is just open and raw, honest, willing to talk about anything, like nothing's off limits. That's what I found with uh, Nugent and all of the opponents of gender ideology were very eager to talk about it. And that's the thing, that's one of the themes in the film is that we have this thing of gender ideology that's taking over society, already has taken over society, and the advocates don't want to talk about it, the opponents do. You got one side that wants to talk about it, the other side doesn't. 
And I think in a lot of ways that kind of tells you everything you need to know about who's who's in the right here. Damn. The movie is What is a Woman? You got to go to dailywire.com to get it. Matt, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Justin. What's all this solar talk? I mean, you saw Joe Biden, the Defense Production Act, solar panels. That's kind of odd when we're all getting crushed by gas prices. So what's all this mean? Well, if you did what I did and downloaded the President's Daily Brief by my friend Brian Dean Wright, you would already know the answer to that. Remember, it's under 20 minutes. Every day it's under 20 minutes and you are boned up and smarter than all of your friends in just the drive to work. Highly recommend it. Brian, for the lazy people who didn't, download your podcast today. First of all, before we get to all the solar stuff, what is the Defense Production Act? That's a lot of words. What's that mean? Yeah, basically, it's the president's authority to demand or compel the private sector to do some sort of federal government's bidding. It tells them instead of producing a car, you have to produce a tank or instead of producing whatever particular product, we need a plane for the war. That's how it was designed to be used. But that's not how it's being used much these days, especially on this solar panel business. Okay, what is this solar panel business? Yeah. So for most people, they're like, this story is boring. I live in Seattle and it's always gray. Right. It, it's a complicated issue and it's a bit. It, it, but it's really, really important. And so I talk about why and it has everything to do with not only our economy today, but the economy that we have in the future. Are we going to have manufacturing plants? Are we going to have jobs here that produce stuff, not just import stuff? So let's unpack this a little bit to understand what I've just said. Back in 2012, Barack Obama, then president, slapped these tariffs on Chinese solar panels, panels that we were importing from China. But here's the deal. China was doing two things. One, they were cheating. Second, they were stealing. So let's talk about the cheating part first. What they were doing was giving their solar panel companies and a bunch of other companies, by the way, sweetheart finance deals. Basically, these companies were operating without revenue, and so the Chinese government was underwriting all their efforts. So they could go out into the world and sell their products for super cheap, lose a lot of money, and then manufacturing companies like ours in America would go out of business, right? Because they don't have those sweetheart deals. All right, that was the first thing that Obama was addressing with these tariffs in 2012. The second, cheating. So the issue here is that China, as we all know, hacks and you know conducts corporate espionage to steal things. Beyond the cheating, it's thievery. So back in 2012 and again in 2014, we had these major hacks by China and they were breaking into various companies throughout the uh, the United States. U.S. Steel was one, Alcoa, aluminum production was another. The third was a company called SolarWorld. And this is a solar company that was manufacturing uh, solar panels in this country. And so what China was doing was stealing all that intellectual property, all those trade secrets, you know, the chemicals that they would put in the panels or the the design. And then they would give that to their own companies. And then those companies would sell it for pennies on the dollar, supported by the Chinese communist regime. And then here's the kicker. They would sell all those solar panels right back to us here in the United States. Meanwhile, that means that your manufacturing companies, solar and otherwise, go out of business because they can't compete with that. So Obama slapped these tariffs on, and that's what Joe Biden just got rid of, because here's the deal. He has tremendous pressure to create progress for his allies on climate change. 
He also is trying to make a point that this that this is about Vladimir Putin. I don't really understand it, but he's saying basically the more solar that we have here, the worse it is for Vladimir Putin. Anyway, but then of course the climate change one is a big one. So what his announcement did was basically rip off these tariffs and here's the kicker, there was an investigation underway to make sure that what China was doing is they was sending either their solar panels directly to us or all these other countries in Southeast Asia. That investigation was going to confirm that China was still thieving and still you know, engaged in all these shenanigans. Well, he took out all the teeth to that investigation. So even if, even if the investigators find that China or these countries are colluding with China to undermine our manufacturers, undermine people out there who have these jobs, these manufacturers, doesn't matter. All the tariffs are gone. So this story ultimately isn't just about solar panels. It's about can we manufacture stuff in this country, have manufacturers produce great products, have great jobs, our communities stronger with, with good tax base. Are we going to stop these foreign competitors, people like China, from taking this all from us, from stealing it? Well, it doesn't seem like we're going to if we keep removing these tariffs and we remove any disincentives from China doing this in the future. So a lot to talk about on this one, but it's really, really important. Okay, Brian, well, this doesn't seem at all like a national security issue. So I, I, I realize this is a really stupid question, but how is he allowed to do this? Uh, so there is a little law back from 1930 that basically allows him to go in and undo this investigation that basically trumps the law that Congress passed a few years ago that demanded these investigations take place to protect our people, to protect our companies. So he used this law. Now, there are people who are saying that this 1930 law was abused by Joe Biden, and they probably are going to sue to stop him. Not sure how successful that will be. But the bottom line is he is using you know little tricks of the trade to get his climate change agenda passed. And it's precisely what's happening. Figures. Brian Dean Wright, his podcast is the President's Daily Brief. Go subscribe, download it every day. Thank you, brother. You betcha. We have a great light in the mood. Next. I'll see you tomorrow.